For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Please um, take a seat and... and um, just re- reflect on God's word. Thank you. I was thinking while Sam was giving the announcements that the college students are having a Bible or a Sunday school by themselves, and there's breakfast. The rest of us are trying to do conflict resolution. So I was thinking we're going to have to exercise some conflict resolution because we're not getting any breakfast down here. The Apostle Paul planted the church in Corinth around 50 B.C. And he stayed there for two years, and then he left and went back to a city that he had planted another church in, the city of Ephesus. And when he left, problems came into the church. And he heard about these problems. Somebody from Corinth had traveled to see him in Ephesus. And so that's the the result of uh, hearing about that is 1 Corinthians. He wrote this letter to address a series of problems that were plaguing the church. And in the first four chapters, he addresses a primary problem, which is divisions in the church. And it just seems like he's picking that one out to say, if we can't get the divisions in the church fixed, we're going to have trouble with all the other problems. But after chapter 4, he begins to pick off sort of a series of these problems And most of them revolve around the problem of self-control. So he talks about sexual immorality. He talks about idolatry, especially as as it's related to food. Unbelievably, he talks about the Lord's Supper and some people actually, actually getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. And then he ends about this problem of boasting about spiritual gifts. And so you might say that the church in Corinth or the people in Corinth... Uh, they, they had a weak self-control muscle. They just hadn't exercised it a lot. And so when it, when it came to exercising that muscle, uh, it was weak. If, you, if you're into fitness, that everybody's into fitness right now at the beginning of the year, you, you go to your trainer and they almost all say the same thing. You've got to work on your core because your core it helps you do every other exercise. Your core matters in everything that you do, no matter if you like to run or you like to uh, 
uh, bicycle, you like to lift weights, or you, you, you like to dance. Anything you do, it, you have to work on your core. And so the Corinthians didn't have a strong spiritual core. And so what happened without a strong spiritual core, no matter what area they went into, they just couldn't succeed because they didn't have that core spiritual strength. They, they might have, as Jesus once told his own disciples, had this problem where their spirit was willing, but their flesh was weak. They really wanted to do the right thing, but because they didn't have enough core spiritual strength, when they got into the situation, they couldn't perform. So for the month of January, I want to want us to work on our core, our spiritual core, uh, which we're going to do by examining some core disciplines for the Christian life. And so this might help inform you just as you think about your prayer card. What what do I what kind of spiritual core do I have? What are the things that I need to work on so that no matter what situation I get into, I have a better chance of being successful. And one of the books a number of us are reading is called Recapturing the Wonder. And so there's a Sunday school class on this, a journey group's doing this, um, the elders, the staff are reading this. So if this would be helpful to you, this is really about spiritual exercises. And so if you don't really even know what that is, I would just pick up this book, very easy to read, and uh, just follow along as we, as we uh, talk about these spiritual disciplines that we want to put into our lives. And so just as, a, as an assessment question right away to you and to us as a church, what's the current strength of your spiritual core? Here it is. It's the first week in January, and you're, you've made some resolutions, even if you haven't told anybody and you've said, oh, nobody makes resolutions. You make some in your mind. We know you do. And you just say, I hope 2018 is this way, or I need to, you know, add something or, or delete something. What, what is, what would you say is the, what's, what's, what's your assessment of your own spiritual core? What's, what's the assessment of our spiritual core collectively as a church? When we as a body find ourselves in different situations, how strong are we at Christ Community Church? Well, as we, try to reflect on those, um, I want us to look at Paul's exhortation in these last few verses of chapter 9 from uh, Corinthians, and I want to talk about it in two ways. First, he has a settled strategy of discipline, and I'll explain that. So we're going to talk about Paul's settled strategy. And then secondly, he gives us a couple of motivations for that discipline. So the first thing we're going to look at is just Paul enters in and he has a settled strategy for self-control, for discipline. He has a strategy to, to strengthen his spiritual core. And then he has motivations, things that help him want to work on his spiritual core. So first of all, a settled strategy. If you were to go back to, to verse 1 of chapter 9, you, he spends a big part, portion of the beginning of this chapter talking about why he's not taking any money from the church at Corinth for his preaching. Now, he could. He says it's okay if a, if a preacher comes along and he talks about, you know, if an ox treads around, he gets to eat some of what he treads on and all this kind of stuff. But Paul's saying, I'm exercising self-control. I'm exercising self-discipline. Even though I have the freedom to take money for what I'm doing, I'm deciding at this point it's not best for the gospel for me to take money for my preaching. 
So I just have a freedom. I see it. I could grab it, but I say, that's not for me right now. And so he talks about that. And then he talks about this flexibility that we read about of how he has to work in his, on his own flexibility as he enters in different situations. Here, he's traveling from basically Jerusalem into Asia and now into Europe, into Greece, and he's running into strong people, weak people. He's running into Jewish people and Gentile people, and they all have different kinds of customs. And how he tries to become like a Jew or become like a Gentile or become like a weak person. He's got a good spiritual core. So no matter what situation he finds himself in, he's able to be flexible enough for the sake of the gospel to to enter into where those people are. And so he exercises uh, self-control. And I love how the commentator Anthony Thistleton says this. Paul's discipline comes not merely from a series of spontaneous, warm-hearted gestures, but from a settled strategy. I want you to hear that. He, he comes into these places, and he doesn't just say, I just have a warm heart, I just have a desire to do something because I care for these people. No, he comes in with a settled strategy. Every situation he comes to comes into, he has a settled strategy, which, Thistleton goes on to say, Involves personal cost. It involves doing without. Paul has a settled strategy that involves personal cost that will cause him to go without things at different times. I love that for a settled strategy. Paul's not entering the complexity of his world just trying to wing it. No, he, he's coming in with a strategy. He has a strong spiritual core so he can succeed no matter where he is. And so here I would just ask this question. Do you have a strategy or do you mostly wing it? I mean, do you think, okay, I've got, I'm doing these core spiritual exercises. So no matter if I enter into some situation with my family or I enter into some situation with my work or I enter into some situation with money or I enter in some situation with materialism or I see something on television, doesn't matter where you are. You have a, you have a strong enough spiritual core. You've got a strategy that you can implement in any of those things. Or do you just go, I just kind of wing it. I just go, what, what should I do right now? And you just try to do it that way. Dallas Willard has such an ex- excellent illustration of this. And he says this in his book called the Spirit, the Spirit of the Disciplines. Think of a certain young man who idolizes an outstanding baseball player. They want nothing more so much as to pitch or run or hit as their idol does. So what do they do? Well, when they're playing in a baseball game... They try to behave exactly as their favorite baseball star. They try everything their idol does, hoping to be like him. They buy the same shoes, the same glove, the same bat. Will they succeed in performing like the star? What's the answer? Yeah, no. We all know the answer. We know they won't succeed if all they do is try to be like them in the game. We understand why. The star performer didn't achieve his excellence by trying to behave in a certain way only in the game. Instead, 
the star athlete chose an overall life preparation for his mind, his body. See, he has a, the, the, the athlete has a settled strategy. His training provides a foundation for automatic responses, amazing timing, strength. These skills are available to them for those short and important hours of the game because of their daily regimen that no one sees. So you might just, again, I'm just trying to help you evaluate yourself. When no one sees, do you have a a strategy? Willard concludes, you see if you agree. The general human failing is to want what is right, but at the same time, to not commit to the kind of life that it will produce the action we know to be right. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life or the lifestyle or the settled strategy that can make it a reality. You hear what he's saying? We, when we get into the situation, we want our spirit is willing, but if we haven't had any kind of core discipline, then we get there and we, we don't succeed. And he sees that happening with the people in Corinth. And so he's, he's, he's encouraging them to come along and, and, and do what he's doing. And instead of choosing a, a, a baseball player, Paul chooses an athlete, a runner. And this would have been very familiar for the people at Corinth because in the people, the people at Corinth, they hosted a game, basically like an Olympic Games every two years. It's called the Isthmian Games. And second in popularity to the Olympic Games. And Paul was probably there around 50 BC. And we know those games happened in 49 and 51. So he's coming back to this and saying, guys, you know, you, you know, the Olympics, when they come to town, you have those elite runners. I mean, we're going to be watching the Olympics here in a month, the Winter Olympics. And, and they're going to have all these crazy stories about the strategy, the settled strategy that this person has for the last four years or a whole lifetime in order to get to this one event in the Olympics. And so he chooses the, the picture of a runner. And he says this, I want us to notice three things about Paul's settled strategy. First of all, verse 24, run that you may obtain the prize. Run that you may obtain the prize. Or the NIV says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in such a way. You've all seen the 100-meter dash. Run in such a way. What are they? They are all out. And all these these hardened athletes, they're all leaning all the way in as fast as they can go to try to be the one whose whose chest hits the tape first. They're, They're giving every effort. They're straining for the finish line. And that's what he's asking the people in Corinth to do is to to give an all out effort. And I think sometimes because of God's incredible grace, we as Christians fool ourselves into thinking it doesn't require much effort. You just say, well, I got grace, you know, so I jog the race. I don't run the race. I don't give an all-out effort because, you know, it doesn't really matter what my effort is. I just give sort of a half-hearted effort, and Jesus is going to take care of it all anyway. And I think that sometimes gets in our mind and I would want us to know that grace is opposed to earning, but grace is never opposed to all-out effort. 
And so we need to be aware of that. Jonathan Edwards, one of the greatest minds America has ever given birth to, he wrote 70 resolutions. Pretty good for the beginning of the year. And he wrote these resolutions to kind of stir up his, his own heart to run his race well. And he had one of these resolved, resolved to live with all my might while I do live. When I get up in the day, every day, I'm going to live like the runner trying to break the tape. I'm going to give an all-out effort. Very similar words from Jesus, Mark 12. Love the Lord your God with, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. You're supposed to give an all-out effort. So the first part of this settled strategy is just to ask yourself, are you willing, whatever it would be, to give an all-out effort? Are you giving an all-out effort? Luke 13, Jesus says, make every effort to enter into the narrow door. Make every effort. That's the same word that Paul uses here in verse 25 for exercise. And the Greek word is agonize. You've got to make an agonizing effort, an all-out effort. You've got to strain. Second point for Paul's settled strategy is to to be able to make an all-out effort, you have to exercise self-control. See that word in these few verses If I'm going to make an all-out effort, in order to make an all-out effort, I've got to previously be exercising some level of self-control. Again, very familiar language to the people at Corinth. Because everybody in Corinth knew that the elite athletes who wanted to, to participate in the games had to come to Corinth 10 months early, and they had to sign a contract that for the next 10 months they were going to be in training in order to actually participate in the games. And here's what the contract actually says. Do you wish to gain the prize at the games? So you can think of this athlete. He's looking at the contract. Do I wish to gain the prize? Yes, I want to gain the prize. Consider carefully the preparations and consequences. You must observe a strict regimen. Live on food which you dislike. Abstain from all delicacies. Exercise at the necessary and prescribed times, both in heat and in cold. You must drink nothing cooling. Take no wine. You may get your arm broken, your foot put out of joint, be obliged to swallow mouthfuls of dust, and receive many stripes or many blows to your body. Are you willing to do that? And they write their name, yeah, yes, because I want this little wreath to go on my head. And Paul is saying to the church at Corinthians, and I believe Paul is saying to Christ's community church, are you ready to make an all-out effort? If you say yes, consider carefully the preparations and the consequences. You're going to have to say no to some things that previously were refreshing to your body, but were not refreshing to your soul. 
Your foot might get out of joint. You might break something. You're going to receive many blows to your body. But this is what's going to be make you prepared for the race ahead. Are you willing to do that? For Paul, the eternal prize is worth his self-control. So he, he learns how to say no to physical and emotional hungers. And then he informs us, in case we didn't know already, point number three under the settled strategy, the severity of the self-control. He wants to make sure we really understand verse 27, so I discipline my body, or in the NIV, I beat my body. In the Greek, that word, the word beat means I give it a black eye. Isn't that a good picture? My body's coming for me with a hunger. Could be lust, could be food, could be anger. I gotta smack it back down. I gotta give it a black eye because I can't allow it to take over me. And that's what Paul is saying. You've got all these physical hungers. He's saying the body itself is good. It's going to be a, a temple for the Holy Spirit. But it has this ravenous appetite because of sin that you have to beat back down. You say, hey, that's not good for you. That's not good for me. We can't, I can't be doing that. We all understand the words from Paul in Romans 7. I find this law at work. When I want to do good, what does he say? Evil is right there with me. You ever find that happening? I want to do good. I, I have a spirit that's willing, but, I have, but my flesh is weak. In my inner being, I delight in God's law, but then I see another law at work within the members of my body. It's waging war, he says. It's trying to make me a prisoner. So some, your, your body has these hungers. It's trying to make you a prisoner, a prisoner to anger. A prisoner to control, a prisoner to lust, a prisoner to food, a prisoner to comfort. And, and, and instead of beating your snooze button, you got to beat your body. You got you to gotta say, hey, I got to get up. I got to get up a little bit early and I've got to read my Bible because that's what's going to carry me through. That's going to be this spiritual core that when I need, really need to rely on it, it's there. This morning while I was praying through the directory of the church, which I do on Sunday mornings, I get a phone call from Lisa Anderson. And she said, hey, I just want to make sure you're telling people how thankful we are. And she said, Paul, all this time I've been memorizing scripture and telling kids in VBS, it's all been preparation, but I'm taking the test now. That's not the time to work on your spiritual core. That's the time to have a spiritual core. And all of us at different points, we're going to be in the test. You're going to be in a relationship that's going to have conflict. You're going to have your own problems internally. You're going to have these things. And I'm just trying to ask that question for you, for me, for us as a church. What's your spiritual core? Do Do you have a settled strategy? I want to close this point with this illustration. Some of you may have read this book. It's called The Ultra Marathon Man. It's a New York Times bestseller. It's about a guy who had been a runner in high school, but sort of dropped out of running after high school, went to college. He got a good job. 
Uh, he had some promotions. He drove a nice car. But in, at age 30, he ended up in a bar, and some woman, not his wife, was making some advances toward him. And he could tell, this, this isn't the life that I had hoped for. So in order to sort of get out of this, what had already become an uncomfortable situation, he said, hey, I've got to go to the bathroom. And he went home, stood on his back porch. It was maybe midnight. And he said, I've got I to go running. So he started running. That was the beginning of this really crazy running scheme that he found himself on. He, he eventually ran a marathon, not, not necessarily pretty, but he finished Sometime after the marathon, he competed in what was called the Western 100. What do you think the 100 stands for? Yeah, 100 miles. The Western 100. Well, he completed that. And then there was a 200-mile relay race. So you got a team of guys, and they would run either a certain amount of time or a certain distance. You'd hand the baton off, and you would just do that with your team for 200 miles. He entered in solo. (laughs) 200 miles. There were 12 teams. He finished eighth all by himself. You may have heard of this thing that he did. He ran 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states. He mentions that during one of his races, he ate an entire pizza. I mean, this guy was so inspiring. I went out and ordered a pizza just... Thinking about how this guy had done this. (laughs) Well, although he had to get up and run these races by himself, you know for that, to do something like that, it takes a whole team. And he has an RV that goes around with him, and it's called the mothership. Called it the mothership. Providing encouragement, rest, Shoes, liquids, pizzas. And as crazy as this guy is, his races are not harder than the race that Paul is describing for every Christian. You're going to have some steep hills to climb as a Christian. You're going to have some deep valleys to go through as a Christian. There are going to be times it feels like you're just running all night by yourself. And I'm saying to you, to us, if we're not connected to a mothership, if we're not connected to the church, if you just get this, you feel like, oh, this is such a good sermon at the beginning of the year. I got pumped up. I'm going to go out and do this. You're, not, you're probably not going to do it. If you're not connected to a group of people that are helping you and you're helping them, that's the whole idea of Christ Community Church. It's just not for you to come and sit down and say, well, that was wonderful. And then I go back and just once every week I sit for an hour. You've got to be connected. And some of you are here and you come, but you're really not connected. You've never really gotten connected to people. And then there are a few of you that are here that you've gotten sort of physically connected. I, I've joined something, but I never really share what's on my heart. I go to my small group. I, I'm on a service team. I'm something. But, but people don't really know the valley that I'm running through right now. And so my encouragement to you is we're built to run the race together. 
Paul's not writing to Joe in Corinth. He's writing to the church at Corinth. And he's saying, you all need to be running this race to get to the finish line together. So are, are you failing because you're trying to do it yourself? Are you, have you gotten plugged in? Is that one of the things that you need to put on your goals? Secondly, and just briefly here, two motivations. First, you see this in verse 27. I don't want to be disqualified. I mean, after I, Paul saying, after I've done all this stuff, I've become like a Jew, and I've become like a Gentile, and I've become weak. I've, I've, I've said all this stuff. I've done all this preaching. I haven't taken any money. I might, I might could be disqualified. Now, this is the kind of verse that really makes you kind of shake in your shoes. Because if Paul's saying, I'm worried about being disqualified, I'm thinking, I'm really worried about being disqualified. And I think it's like Jesus' statement in Matthew 7. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy, drive out demons, perform miracles? And I will tell them, I didn't know you. So this is a sobering and shaking kind of conclusion here to this chapter. And I think what Paul is trying to say is you can preach to people, you can plant churches, you can tell people all day long you're a Christian, but if you're not fighting for your faith, then you might not have any faith. So are you in a fight? Are you at war at points? Or are you just saying, yeah, you know, whatever, I got the insurance policy at the end that gets me in the door. I, th- I think that kind of thinking, Paul's saying, you could get to the door and say, hey, you got disqualified. It- it's meant to rattle your cage to say, hey, if I'm not in the fight, I need to get back in the fight. I need to, I need to join in on the team, and I need somebody to help me. I think that's the, the whole purpose of it. Now, I just want to clarify here before I get to the last point. Your fight for faith doesn't earn your salvation. Your fight for faith doesn't earn your salvation it's evidence of your salvation last point the what, what what's a motivation well first of all i don't want to be disqualified secondly i got my mind my eyes on something that's this imperishable wreath verse 25 it's it's what paul would say in second timothy is a crown he says this i fought the good fight 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have finished the race, I've kept the faith, and there is laid up for me a crown, a wreath, and it's the crown of righteousness, which the Lord is going to award me on that day. See, he's using that imagery. Somebody's going to take the stand, and the Lord is going to put the wreath on your head and say, you've gotten the crown of righteousness. It's this righteousness that finally fits us for heaven. We don't have it yet. We're still sinners. We repent. God forgives. But we fight. We run with all of our might until that last day. And for Paul, that crown is worth everything. 
Just like the athlete and the stories that you're going to hear next month, and you think, that's crazy. They gave up everything. Paul's saying, yes, for this eternal crown, giving up what I could have in money or what I could have in comfort or what I could have in some other area, it's worth giving up because I have this crown, this crown of righteousness that's going to last forever. So, so much to consider here. But as you just think about this year, especially think about what do, what I, what do I want? I'm not going to read the card. Nobody's going to read the card. But what do I want to write on my card in terms of my spiritual core? What are things that I need to work on? What are places or areas in my, in my body that I'm really not in control of? Something with some kind of lust or some kind of emotion or maybe in a particular relationship. You just don't, it, it overtakes you and then you become a prisoner of that. Paul's trying to help us to try to shake us up and say, hey, let's, let's get in this race together. And this race is a lot longer than 200 miles. It might be 60 or 70 or 80 years. And you're going to need the mothership to come along and maybe... That's what you need. I just, I, I really need to get connected. I really need to actually share my heart with somebody instead of just saying, hey, I'm okay when I'm not okay. It's good that every Sunday is a good day, but this Sunday to take communion because it reminds us that Jesus took the crown of thorns and gives us a crown of righteousness.